Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Benjamin Franklin lived in the 18th century. Uh, He was one of the founding fathers that uh, got sought independence from Britain and established the United States of America. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was also a a well-known author and scientist and inventor, and he was also a very well-respected diplomat. And towards the end of his amazing life, uh, he quoted something that uh, has sort of lasted even to this day. He said, in this life, there are only two things that are certain, uh, death and taxes. The Apostle Paul would agree with him, uh, but he would perhaps have a slightly more spiritual flavour. He would agree with the area of death, but perhaps replace this idea of taxes with the certainty of the return of Jesus. Uh, There is certainty that there will be a judgment day. And so Paul's talking to the church about this idea of when Jesus returns. And he speaks specifically at first about uh, what happens to those who have already died. And as we look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 13, uh, we'll see how Paul starts to answer these concerns. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Of course, those two things uh, still cause us some anxiety today. The idea of death and the idea of judgment. And so we come to this place of allowing Paul to set us free in our thinking as we have an understanding of what the Bible actually teaches us. Uh, Death is a difficult thing. It causes us grief and pain and and much mourning. Uh, When we consider our family and friends, we can easily see how this is a burden upon us. And and when it comes about the future, there's so much that we don't understand. We don't have an insight to all the detail. And and so it's natural enough for us to be a little concerned about the return of Jesus and just how and what will happen when God finally says that's enough how that will affect us and what will take place. Now, some people don't believe at all, and so it doesn't worry them, they say. For those of us who have faith, uh, even in our faith, we still have some concern. Our minds can be at times still heavy. Uh, Worry and anxiety can still play a factor in our lives. And so I think that's not natural. I, I don't think we should be too hard on ourselves. There's so much things, not uncertainty that it will take place, but we don't have an understanding about all the detail and sometimes that can concern us. And so what we want to do today is build a framework or a foundation of understanding of the truth, what the Bible teaches. We all know that the truth will set us free and when we are able to grasp the truth, uh, I believe then we're in a much better position to live out our faith. And that's why Paul says over and over again throughout his letters, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things because he, when we understand the truth, when we understand the facts, uh, we are then in a position to make the decision to live by faith. If, uh, if we're deceived or we're not thinking clearly, 
uh, then we're reluctant to step out in faith. We're not sure. But Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant because if you understand the truth, you are then free to act in faith. This is also linked to our Love Does series. Uh, When we have hold of the truth, when we are secure ourselves in our thinking, then we are set free to love our neighbour. You might have remember some of those pre-flight safety checks that they do on a plane. Uh, When the mask of oxygen drops down, they instruct you to make sure that it's secure uh, with you before you help anyone else. And it's the same thing with encouraging someone else or loving someone else. Unless we are secure ourselves in the truth, uh, unless we're secure in our own thinking, uh, we're then able to uh, help others. And so we, we need to know it ourselves before we can have help someone else. So we need to be secure in God's love and faithfulness before we can encourage and build one another up. Uh, Paul sets out some, some really important teaching, some really important truth. And uh, we need to have this clearly in our minds before we can help anyone else. What Paul wants to establish I suppose, is that we understand the truth because the truth will set us free. So where do we start? Well, firstly, we have to understand that we're living in a period where uh, times of history are overlapping. In the Bible, it talks about the days of darkness or the age of darkness. Uh, That's the time before Jesus had come. And then when we talk about Jesus coming, we're talking about him ushering in a new period of time, a period of light, a time when God's kingdom is established, where you and I can enjoy his peace and his hope, uh, where God's light has come in. But the reason that you and I struggle at the moment, the reason that you, you and I sometimes have fear and anxiety is because these two periods of time overlap, they coexist. So there is still evidence of living in the age of darkness, if you like. Uh, God's kingdom is now, but it's not yet. There's more to come. And so we have this overlapping of time in history. And as a result, we're not enjoying the full blessing, the complete story. Uh, We don't have all the blessing of what it is to live in God's kingdom. And so we still experience pain. There are times when we're anxious and we're fearful because there's this overlapping of these periods. And this is where our faith comes in. Uh, We have to choose to intentionally live by faith, because there are still elements of darkness, there is still deception and lies, and it's easy for us to lose our way. And so Paul wants to establish this framework of thinking where we understand the truth. And in doing so, we come to understand why life at this time is still difficult. We're living in a time of overlap. Uh, The age of darkness still exists alongside the kingdom of God. And by faith, we need to look forward to that time when God's kingdom is established completely. And so what Paul talks about in this letter, uh, certainly in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, is about you and I living uh, or thinking in the light of day. In the light of day is a phrase that's used to explain uh, clarity of thought, when we're calm, when we're not confused, when we're not deceived, but our thinking is clear and precise. We talk about thinking in the light of day, and that's what Paul wants to establish, that we would uh, be in the light and that we would think clearly. 
Uh, I'm sure most of you, certainly those people around my age at least, uh, understand what it's like if you wake up at say two or three in the morning and you can't get back to sleep. Often our thinking becomes quite negative. Uh, Problems get bigger than Ben-Hur in our mind. And uh, in the dark and half awake and confused, our mind is not clear. And sometimes we can find ourselves being very negative and being overwhelmed uh, with these negative thoughts. So Paul wants uh, us to think in the environment of light. He wants our thinking to be clear and precise, not confused, not influenced by darkness, but just to think clearly. And he does that as we read from verse 5 and 6 of uh, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. He says this, You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and let us be self-controlled. We're going to talk about the return of Jesus just a little bit. We're going to talk about how that influences the subject of death and judgment. And I'm sure you can understand we don't have time to go into detail or depth about these really important subjects. So what I want to do this morning is just point by point clarify very clearly what we know to be true, to clarify what they are and what they aren't, because sometimes um, there's so much uh, thought that is added, uh, so much uh, where people think this or think that. But what I want to do this morning is just stick clearly to the truth and, and let God give us a great deal of peace and joy from that. And so as we... What I would encourage you to do is to, later on, I'd like you to read again the latter part of chapter 4 and the first part of chapter 5, just to give some integrity uh, and to confirm some of the things that I want to talk to you about today. What Paul is addressing here initially is there's a fair bit of concern and despair in the church. Uh, They're under the belief that Jesus would come back in their time. And so the the martyrdom that was taking place, that Jesus would come back and rescue them. But they had this concern. What about the people who have already died before Jesus comes back? And this is what Paul is addressing here. They were confused and concerned because they didn't really have an understanding of the truth. And in the latter part of chapter 4, Paul explains to them that those people are not lost that there's no advantage for those who are already alive. And so I just want to touch on a few things. When it comes to this question of death uh, for those who believe, when Jesus returns, he will bring with him all of those who have previously died. Uh, That's a wonderful thought. There's going to be this amazing reunion. All the generations of believers who have died previously, when Jesus returns, he will bring them with them. Yes, we experience grief, but we don't experience grief without a great hope. This is never the end. In the end, we all win. And Paul goes on to say, we will be with the Lord forever. When we think about death, when we think about the return of Jesus, when we think about the resurrection, we have to clearly think about this important fact. We will be with the Lord forever. If you consider that for a moment, just a moment, I'm sure there's no way that you can't be overwhelmed with this great excitement and this great joy. And so when it comes to the return of Jesus, firstly, there's a few things that I need to point out for those who are not yet Christians. 
Uh, there's a few things that you need to be aware of, though I'm sure that Paul would want us to highlight today. The return of Jesus is guaranteed. Paul uh, symbol, uses the symbol of pregnancy, and it's a good one. You, you can't stay pregnant forever. You don't know when the birth will come, but you know it's going to happen. And, and that's this message that Paul has. The return of Jesus is inevitable. It's a fact. It's going to be a part of history. Jesus will come back. The coming of Jesus is a guaranteed fact. And if you're living in the darkness, if you haven't come into that place of putting your faith in Jesus, you're at risk at missing out on the gift of eternal life. And so this is really important. There's no escape, Paul says. And so he would encourage us to open our eyes not to live in the darkness, but to open our eyes to the light of truth. And by doing that, uh, we'll uh, experience the love and joy and forgiveness that God offers. And so Paul warns about these last days, about the return of Jesus, that we need to not, not have our head in the sand, to come out of the darkness, to put our mind into the light and to understand what, how important it is to know Jesus. But there are a few things about uh, the return of Jesus that uh, we should all know. Paul says, don't worry about the date. No one knows. He doesn't know. No one knows what the date of Jesus' return. We need to stop trying to figure that out. They were all curious, but Paul says, uh, I'm not going to entertain your curiosity. What I want to do is to give you peace uh, and, and help you in your confusion and, and give you a sense of hope. And so we don't worry about the date. Uh, knowing the date doesn't bring us any peace. What brings us peace is being ready for the return of Jesus. We're told that it will be like a thief in the night. It will be unexpected. Paul even makes it clear. He says, even those of you, even if you're in the light, you'll still be surprised. Yes, we know Jesus is coming, but no one knows when. It's a really encouraging thing to consider that the return of Jesus will be the next big thing. The first big thing in history was when Jesus was born and he lived and he died and he rose again. That was a huge thing. Now, none of us there were there to witness that and none of us were there to see that. But the next big thing, uh, that will be something that we'll all witness and we'll all see. It will be the last big thing. Uh, of God's plan and purpose, the return of Jesus. Because when Jesus returns, everything will come, uh, the plan will come together. It will be complete. We need to be encouraged that throughout the Bible, it tells us that Jesus will come back personally. We just won't have a representative, but it will be Jesus himself. You and I will look into the face of Jesus. How good is that? That's something to look forward to. The other thing that Paul says, it will be glorious. It'll be amazing. We won't be able to put into words this glorious event. Uh, it will be beyond all human understanding. We will be in awe of the return of Jesus. We need to look forward to this glorious event. We need to be encouraged by it. Not fear it, but we need to be encouraged by this thought of seeing Jesus face to face in this glorious event. The other thing that Paul says about the return of Jesus is it will be universal. In other words, it won't be limited to space uh, uh, in any time. It, it will happen uh, at all at the same time to the whole world at once. And, and so there's this sense where Jesus will appear to everyone. Now, when Jesus came the first time, we didn't get to see that. 
but you and I uh, and everyone will see and experience the joy and the glory uh, of the return of Jesus. Do you know the Olympic Games, when they have their opening ceremony, it's always very spectacular, um, but only a very small percentage of people are actually there live to see it. Most of us just watch it on TV. But when it comes to the return of Jesus, we will all be seated in that stadium as such. Uh, across the whole world, the return of Jesus will be universal and everyone will experience it. Paul also gives us an insight to judgment because that's linked to the return of Jesus. Uh, the return of Jesus gives us an insight about death, but it also gives us an insight about judgment. And if we have never invested in Christ by faith, uh, we're going to uh, have an encounter with Jesus on our own. I would suggest to you that's not a good choice. The Bible says no one is righteous in themselves, not even one. And so I'd encourage you to come to that place of putting your faith in Jesus. You need to change that encounter. You don't want to face God on your own. Can I encourage you to, uh, when we upload this message uh, or this service on our webpage, to go back and have a look at the segment earlier in the service where we talked about how we become a child of God, what it means to believe in Jesus. Uh, I'd encourage you to do that today. And Paul would join with me in saying, hey, you don't want to face God on your own. You, you, you want to be in the position where you face God as your heavenly father, as a child of God. Paul talks about the return of Christ. And as I said before, he talks about this, this image of pregnancy. It's going to happen and we need to be alert and we need to be ready. But the one thing that Paul does say in this passage is if our faith is in Christ, we have nothing to fear. The righteousness of Christ has been accredited to you by faith. We have nothing to fear. And when we're called to give an account of our life, when we're called before God at the return of Jesus, we're going to uh, walk into the kingdom of God confidently and boldly. Uh, because we say, I'm with Jesus. It's going to be on the coattails of Jesus that we enter the kingdom. We're going to be full of gratitude and joy and thankfulness. But when we face judgment day, we have nothing to fear. We enter into the kingdom of God because we're with Jesus on his coattails. And the Bible makes that clear right throughout. This thought, this wonderful thought of the gospel is backed up. In Colossians, it says we're free from all accusation. We, we don't have to answer to anyone or for anything. We have been set free by what Christ achieved on the cross for us. The forgiveness of sin is mercy and grace means we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to answer. And so the return of Jesus, uh, that day of judgment, uh, it's not something that we need to fear because of what Jesus has done. And you know what? When our mind is thinking clearly, when we're not deceived by the darkness, when we're able to concentrate and understand the facts of our faith, uh, what the teaching of Jesus actually was, we have nothing to fear. Death and judgment can no longer boss us around and bully us because we've been set free. When our minds are enlightened by the truth, when we're thinking in the light of day, when we're thinking clearly and calmly, we're able to see that we have an amazing Messiah. Look at chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. 
and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. To fully understand the importance of a Messiah, we need to fully understand God. There's a few facts about God that we need to understand to appreciate Jesus as the Messiah. God is indeed above every power. If you like, he is the boss over everything and everyone. But it's not just who God is. Uh, That thought of him being boss and powerful can actually increase our anxiety. What we need to do is understand what God is like and also understand what God has done. God is a God of justice. He is a holy God. And so he cannot just sweep sin under the carpet. He has to deal with it. Uh, The evil one could accuse him of hypocrisy if he just overlooked sin. So God is a God of justice who had to deal with it. But importantly, he is also a God who is gracious and compassionate and long-suffering, full of mercy and grace and forgiveness. We need to understand about a fact about God. He is for us and he doesn't want a single person to suffer for an eternity. And so because God is trustworthy and faithful, we can believe in his promises. He is for us. He is not against us. He has done everything necessary through Jesus for us to be forgiven of our sin. When it comes to the return of Jesus, when it comes to death, when it comes to judgment day, we have nothing to fear. He will not let us down. And as we look at verse 9 and 10, we see clearly uh, what God had in store for us in Jesus. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the amazing Messiah that we have. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Uh, Living in the light releases us to enjoy living in the very presence of God, both now and forevermore. Uh, When a manufacturer uh, makes a car, when they put the engine together, uh, they do it in such a way that it is restricted. It, it never has the ability to reach its full potential, its full power. They do that for several reasons. Firstly, they don't know how you and I are going to drive it. If we drive it really hard, we could damage it. They don't know how we're going to service the car. They don't know the quality of fuel that we're going to use. So for all these reasons, so they don't have a whole lot of warranty claims, when someone puts a car together, they put the engine together, it's greatly limited. They, they virtually detune it, and so it doesn't reach its full capacity. Now, if you can fiddle with the car's computer, especially if you uh, have a, uh, an engine with a turbo, you, you can get the car to think differently. You can trick it and play with its computer so that it delivers the full power. And so we don't have to be robbed of that joy of having all of the power of the car. We can get that extra 25% if we change the way that the car thinks. When we think clearly, when our mind is thinking in the light of day, when we're not listening to the lies and to the seat of the age of darkness, but we're clearly thinking about the facts of the faith, we are released to enjoy the full potential of what it is to be a child of God. Yes, we still experience grief, but it's a grief that's not without great hope. There's going to be a great reunion. We will all meet together again. Uh, Grief doesn't have to bully us because of the truth that we have in Jesus. Yes, there's still some uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen in the future totally. 
but we don't need to know. A God has it in control. Faith enables us to trust the future with God. We don't have to worry. And yes, whenever we talk about judgment, <laughs> whenever we talk about being judged uh, in the end times, obviously that can cause us a little bit of anxiety, but not if our head space is in the light of truth, not if our mind is clear and we take hold of the facts. If you're someone as a Christian that sometimes perhaps worries or gets a little bit anxious about end times or judgment day, can I ask you to do this? Consider the face of Jesus on the cross. Consider when he looks at uh, his mother Mary and John and the disciples and the Bible says he looks at them with great love. That same expression of love that's on the face of Jesus on the cross is what encourages us because you know what? It's the same Jesus who is coming back. He has the same motivation to love and to rescue and to restore. We don't have to, re to fear in any way or be anxious about judgment or the return of Jesus because the same Jesus who died on the cross in love is the same Jesus who's coming back in love. And we need to be encouraged and we need to be lifted above the lies and the deceit of darkness and see it for what it is. Do you know when we are released into the complete joy of the gospel of the good news of Jesus, uh, then we're empowered to love others without restriction. Verse uh, We find in verse 11, Paul says this, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just in fact as you are doing. When we are living with anxiety, when we are living with a sense of fear, I suppose, when we're deceived in our thinking, all the energy that we have is invested in ourselves. We're looking for answers. We're thinking about what we need and what we want. And rather than helping and serving others, our life is dedicated to pleasing ourselves. Now, this makes sense. You and I want joy and we need joy. You and I want peace. We need it. Uh, we need to be in a place where we are enjoying all of those things. We need to be set free. A and so once we understand the truth, once we're secure in the truth, once we understand uh, the reality of what it is to be the child of God, we're not chasing after uh, selfish living. We are secure in God's love. And out of that love, out of that truth, we are able to minister to others. And so when we live out that truth, when we're uh, living and walking in a demonstration of the light and the gospel, then we're in a position to help others. So what Paul is saying here is, I want you to build each other up in the truth. I want you to encourage each other. He's not primarily saying that he wants us to pat each other on the back or make a meal for them or, or send them an encouraging text. That's good and that's important. Keep doing it. But what he wants us to do is to build each other up in the truth, encourage each other in the truth. How do we do that? Well, that's when you and I live out our lives. We're living, walking, talking demonstrations of the gospel. Out of the security that we have in Christ, out of the security that we have of knowing the truth, knowing the facts, we don't have to fear in any way death or, or judgment. We don't have to worry in any way about the return of Jesus at the end times. Because the truth sets us free. It releases us not to worry about ourselves, but to love others. We need to build each other up in the truth. We need to be in that place where we're able to clarify what it is. Now, there's a little test that we can do. 
There's a little test that can clarify just where our mind is at. Have we really got this? Are we really thinking clearly? Now, I need to tell you that I love life and I want to take hold of every minute that God gives to me uh, on this earth. So I don't want you to take me out of context. But when we have the facts, when we're thinking clearly, when the the facts of the gospel are clear in our thinking, uh, an amazing thing happens. We can even look forward to death because we have the victory in Christ. We can actually look forward to the day of judgment because we have victory in Christ. And we can certainly look forward to the return of Jesus because we have victory in Christ. Paul makes it very clear that it's God's intention that no one would suffer for eternity. Rather, he wanted to release us into the life of eternity, into the very presence of God, in the very presence of Jesus. How good is that? And this is how we build each other up. Everything that we say, everything that we do, even the very things that we think, are done so in the mindset of clear thinking of the gospel. The truth sets us free. And when we understand the love and the mercy and the glorious uh, grace of God, then we're set free. We are secure in ourselves. We have nothing to fear. We're released to love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember the ad that uh, warns us about the danger of overhead power lines? Remember the punchline? It's look up and live. We need to understand it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about how big our faith is, how courageous we are, how much we know, how good we are. It's got nothing to do with us. It's all about living in the light, living in the truth. It's all about looking up and seeing Jesus because it's not to do with us. It's all about him, all that he is, all that he's done, all that he's achieved. The righteousness of Christ has been accredited to us. We need to look up and live. And when we are fully secure in this truth, when the darkness, when the dark age doesn't deceive us with lies uh, or, or other people's speculations or theories or curiosities, when we just have the truth and we're not deceived, the truth will make us secure. And when we're secure in the love of God, we are set free to love others. Look up, look into the light and live. May God bless you each as we do that this morning. Would you join with me as we pray? Father God, we thank you so much for this letter that Paul wrote. As he addresses the concerns and the anxieties of the people of of that day, we can easily see how it's so relevant for us as well. It's normal for us to be a little concerned about things we don't fully understand. We know the reality of the return of Jesus. We know about judgment. We know about death. We know these things are reality, but the detail, how it works out, Uh, that's often left to you. So Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be curious, but that we would just find our hope in knowing not when Jesus will come back so much, but that we would be ready for when he returns. Father God, it's true. Uh, We're a day closer to the return of Jesus than we were yesterday. We can well, in fact, be living in the very last days. So help us to be ready. Help us to live in the light. And God, for those of us who are your children, may you bring our thinking out into the light. May we understand the truth. May there be clarity in our thought. Help us not to be deceived. We have nothing to fear 
as we live in the light and the life of Jesus. Help us to not let uh, depression or fear or anxiety bully us, but help us to see that we have the victory over things. Father God, we look forward to, in a sense, in the big picture in eternity, we look forward to that great reunion. Uh, we look forward uh, to the return of Jesus. And we certainly have no fear about Judgment Day. Lord, help us to live and to think in the light because it will set us free. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.